the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to speak today about the epistle. The epistle is taken from the 15th chapter of St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to open up this scripture by God's grace to the absolute best of my ability, but nothing could be better than that you go home and read the 15th chapter of this letter. It will take you about 10 minutes. It is right at the heart of the gospel. Uh, St. Uh, Paul is giving a defense in this whole chapter of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's telling us that it's happened. He tells us what it means. He tells us what its significance is. He tells us what difference it makes, whether you believe in this or not. It's the absolute heart of the Christian faith. And um, uh, it is my job to talk about it, but it's, uh, it's important to just hear the words of Scripture itself. So just if, if you take nothing else away today, go home, read this, this chapter. Here's what's happening. St. Paul is taking the good news that God's Messiah, the promised Savior, the long-awaited anointed King, the one whom God has designated to deal with sin and put everything to right and get the world back on track and going according to its original plan, that one has come and that according to the scriptures, he has given his life as a great sacrifice, and that God has vindicated him as his Messiah and King by raising him from the dead, and that the new age is upon us. Um, Paul is preaching this gospel, and he's going from town to town in the ancient world, and he goes to Corinth, and Corinth is a, is a, is a very important place to go. It's strategic. It's a, it's a, it's a um, commercial center. It's a center of philosophy. All the great philosophies of the ancient world are there. The Stoics are there. The Epicureans are there. Um, the, the, the atomists and the materialists that think that the only reality is just the sort of material reality, they're there. And, and then the, the panoply of the gods are there. All the Roman gods are there. All the Greek gods are there. And as a matter of fact, the Egyptian gods are quite hot and trendy at the moment. There, 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 there's a new temple to, to Isis. And there's particular interest in the, in the Egyptian gods because the Egyptians have a lot to say about the afterlife and about what happens to the soul after it's died. There's a lot of interest in that. St. Paul comes to that town. He spends a year and a half there. You can read about it in the 18th chapter of the book of Acts. He starts at the synagogue. And around the synagogue, well, the Jewish people, of course, are going to be the people who are going to be most receptive to the message that the Messiah has come. They've been prepared to hear that message. And gathered around the synagogue are people who are called God-fearers. And the God-fearers are, they're Greeks, they're Gentiles, they're people from the pagan uh, uh, culture. They, they don't want to get circumcised, they don't want to keep kosher, they're not genetically and uh, ethnically uh, from the people of Israel. but. Their culture is playing out. In one way or another, they've gotten to the bottom of what's on offer in the philosophies and the religions that are in the marketplace in Corinth. And they're attracted by the moral seriousness, and they're attracted by the, 
the story about the world that is being told in the synagogue. And people come to faith. Some of them are Jewish. Some of them are Gentiles. But there's a church that emerges there. And Paul ordains somebody to be the bishop of that church, and he goes on to found the, found the church in another town, and he gets word that there's trouble in Corinth. There's a, there's a lot of controversy going on. There's party spirit there. There's sexual immorality, and there are false teachers that have come in. And he deals with all of these problems by, by reminding them of some aspect of the central doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, the, the proclamation of the resurrection does not make any sense in the ancient world. The, the overall scheme there is that salvation means escaping from the world. The world is a world that changes. The world is a world of corruption. The world, the world is, is, a, is a place of, uh, of death. It's all... It's all uh, um, it, it passes away. Uh, it's winding its way down to oblivion. And uh, history is just one damn thing after another. And the goal is to find some way to, to liberate that which is eternal in yourself. You know, they were the Gnostics that were there. That was one of the, the uh, it still is one of the chief competitors to the Christian faith, the idea there's a little spark of God in you. and the. Uh, the problem is to get the spark reunited with the fire, and so you have to have the secret knowledge so you can go through the seven heavens and, and, and leave, this leave this world and leave this body behind. Escape. Right? Now, the Bible tells a very different story. The Bible doesn't tell, uh, 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 the Bible tells us it, it is a history of the world. It says there's not a panoply of gods. There is one true and living God. He's made all things. He has a plan for the world, a perfect plan to bring it to perfection and fulfillment, to bring in the peaceable kingdom where the lion and the lamb will lay down together, where the child will put his hand over the snake's hole and not be bitten, where there'll be no more tribe against tribe, where there'll be no more hurting or killing on all my holy mountain, and even the veil of death will be taken away. And God has promised through the people of Israel that he will bring out of the house of David a savior, a Messiah is the Hebrew word, Christ is the Greek word, and this savior will bring God's history to perfection, will usher in the peaceable kingdom, will vanquish all the enemies of God, put history back on its course. Now, Paul's proclamation is not, I have an interesting theory of the afterlife, which I would like for you to contrast and compare with the theory that Isis has. His proclamation is that the God of the universe has intervened in human affairs, has appeared on the stage of human history himself, and has acted decisively to put everything back on track. And how has he done that? Has he done it by, by, by calling upon a legion of angels 
Has he shown that he's in charge and Caesar is not by bringing the hosts of heaven down to earth to punish the wicked and exalt the righteous? How has he done it? He has done it by stretching out his arms on the hard wood of the cross that the whole world might come within the reach of his saving embrace. And God has vindicated this suffering servant, saving king by raising him from the dead. And he is the first fruits of the kingdom that is coming. And what is promised is not that some piece of us will survive, but that everything about us pertaining to what it is to be a human being will be transfigured. You may notice sometimes when you come to the communion, I put the bread in your hand and I say, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for thee, preserve thy body and soul into everlasting life. The Christian hope is not for some uh, piece of us to survive, to leave this, this throwaway world behind. The Christian hope is a new humanity, transfigured, metamorphosed, already appearing in Jesus Christ, crucified and risen from the, the grave, ascending into heaven to take rule over all things, casting his spirit down upon us, and that he will come again, that's what's over the high altar, to judge the living and the dead, and of his kingdom there will be no end, and there'll be a new heaven, and there'll be a new earth, and the heavenly city, where there's no lying or stealing, or cheating or killing, where there's no tribe against tribe, where the peace of God reigns, the city will come down, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. The whole creation, the whole cosmos, transfigured, glorified. That's St. Paul's gospel. And the resurrection is the decisive, the, the cross and the resurrection of the Lord, they're the decisive moment in all of that. Everything before that is prequel. Everything after that is sequel. It's not about some private spirituality. It's not about some uh, religious path that works for me. It's a proclamation about the decisive event in the history of the cosmos that has occurred in the death and the resurrection of the Lord in Jerusalem. And it's astonishing, and it makes no sense within the received worldview of uh, the ancient Mediterranean. No, no, you've got to escape from this world. God's not going to transform this world. Maybe there's some piece of us that can survive, but that God is in charge of history, that he rules the affairs of men, that it's not the fates and it's not fickle gods, but it's the, uh, the one true and living God who has manifest himself as a God of love in Jesus Christ, and he rules all things, and that he's acted decisively to put everything that is wrong right, and that already the power of the new age is upon us. That's Paul's proclamation. It does not fit into the scheme of the ancient world. And it creates ridicule, you know, Paul is laughed at. Uh, it creates skepticism, and it creates attempts to take, the human, to take the Christian faith and to trim it with scissors so that it kind of fits within the reigning uh, worldview. It doesn't fit within any other worldview. It is the beginning of its own view of the world, of human destiny, of human dignity, of human community, its own view of our eternal destination. Um, this used to be called Western civilization. 
So it, it, the, the, the proclamation of the resurrection, um, it is startling, it is, it is disruptive. Uh, it, it, is not, it is not a proclamation that can be filed alongside of the, uh, let's say, the other theories of the afterlife that you may find in the Egyptian or the Roman gods or something like that. It is, it is an event which causes you to have a whole new filing system. Now, St. Paul says, this is why you, 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 understandably, this is difficult. But as you lose your grip on this, St. Paul says, this is why you're going to have these problems. This is why you're going to lose the plot. This is why you're going to lose the focus. This is why you're going to lose the power of the new life which is ours in Jesus Christ the Lord. Well, as the proclamation of the resurrection did not fit in the ancient world, it does not fit in our world. That there is anything that is real that cannot be weighed or measured is denied in our world. That there is a beneficent power that guides history is denied in our world. That there could be a spiritual truth that is not just my truth or your truth, but is the truth. And so the proclamation that the decisive event in the history of the cosmos has occurred in the death and resurrection of the Lord, it fits no better in the contemporary world than it did in the ancient world. It is not a proclamation that can be filed amongst the files of um, teachings of the world religions. It is a proclamation that requires a new filing system. If it is not true, we are of all people to be the most pitied. Because then history is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. If it is not true, we are of all people to be most pitied. For if Christ be not raised, then the dead are not raised. Then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. But if Christ is not raised from the dead, we would not be here today. It is impossible to explain the church apart from the resurrection. If Christ be not raised from the dead, there would be no spiritual power in the lives of the saints. If Christ is raised from the dead, there is for us an unconquerable joy, because no matter how dark the moment, we know how this story ends. It ends with the perfection and transfiguration of all things in Jesus Christ our Lord, and the power of that is already upon us. And he will surely accomplish his purposes. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Amen.